everyone. This is Keena Wolfenstein, and you're listening to the Complex Trauma Recovery Podcast. This series of episodes, we are breaking down experiential and bottom-up therapeutic modalities so people can be more informed about all the different options there are for therapy and find effective trauma treatment. So today my guest is Megan, and we're going to be talking about sand tray therapy, which I'm really, really excited about because I know very little about it, um, so I'm really excited to learn from her. And this is Megan's bio. (laughs) Megan is a licensed professional clinical counselor supervisor practicing in Somerset, Kentucky. She is an internationally credentialed sand tray therapist provider and founder of Sandscapes, the Kentucky Sand Tray Institute. Megan is also the director of communications for the International Association for Sand Tray Therapy. Megan owns a group private practice in Kentucky serving children, teens, and adults primarily using sand tray therapy, EMDR, and play therapy techniques. Megan provides workshops and consultations to clinicians hoping to grow their knowledge and skills in sand tray therapy. To learn more about Megan and upcoming trainings, you can visit sandscapesofky.com or find us on Facebook or email Megan at sandscapesofky.com and I'm going to be including those links in the podcast description so you guys can get a hold of her if you'd like to learn more and before we launch into the episode just a reminder that if you click on my link tree which will also be posted in the podcast podcast description you can access a number of resources including um, both the recordings for workshops that I've done professional consultations uh, reading and training resources and some other cool things that I have available for everybody so go ahead and check that out if you haven't already and I hope you enjoy this episode Thank you so much for taking the time to come on today, Megan. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So let's just start with, um, I just want to hear kind of your description of sand tray therapy. What, you know, what is it? How does it work? How do you like to use it? Sure. Um, So sand tray therapy is a very powerful tool that you can use with all sorts of different client presenting issues. Um, It's really great to use with children, teens, and adults. Um, So a little bit about what you kind of need, or, you know, if you were to start, Mm -hmm. you would want to have, you know, a sand tray with sand, and then the little miniatures. um, We use all kinds of different things. um, As far as miniatures go, we have, you know, houses and people and all the different things. But um, what I love so much about sand tray is that you're able to use it in a variety of ways. Um, and and pairing it with other types of modalities as well. Yeah. So can you um, just tell us a little bit more about some examples of how sand tray actually looks like you have the materials and and what do you do with them? Yeah, sure. So I usually start off with any client by just saying, show me your world in the sand. So um, that is a really good prompt that I use to start out. That way it's kind of no pressure. Um, And then folks will usually grab a few things. I will say too, it looks a lot different with kids versus adults. I know a common misconception or myth is that sand tray is only used with kids. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the first things I kind of wanted to dispel um, is that sand tray is so powerful with adults. And, you know, the reasons why we can get into the neuroscience a little later, but Um, It is such a powerful tool with adults and even teenagers. It really allows for those images and things that kind of get stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, It gives them a way to kind of come out and yeah, kind of 
work through the integration part. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, when you say, show me your world, it's kind of having clients like pick out the little figures and then kind of placing them in the sand tray in a way that kind of like visually and spatially represents their inner feelings and experiences. Yes, that's beautifully said. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And that's what I'll say is the big difference between kids and adults, because with littles, you don't even really have to introduce sand tray. It's just they see sand, they see, you know, toys and mm -hmm. there's really no introduction. And the reason it looks different is a lot of times littles will tell stories with the miniatures and they create what we call moving worlds. Mm -hmm. So kind of in the typical way you see kids pretend where like the figures are yeah. talking to each other and moving around and that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more like tracking and reflecting and um, yeah, just being really present and letting that story or metaphor kind of unfold. Whereas adults will use more static type building um, where they just kind of place the items and um, you can do kind of more processing. It looks more like your typical processing mm -hmm. with adults or teens. So yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, you do, you find that sand tray is a helpful modality for complex trauma. Can you speak up a little about how that kind of works together? Yeah, absolutely. I love, love, love using sand tray um, with other modalities as well. I'm also trained in EMDR therapy. Oh, cool. And yeah. And so it can be really helpful throughout that phase model to pair sand tray with those just to allow just even a deeper sense of healing um, with trauma, because we know that our body often remembers what happens and we don't always have the words for it. So mm -hmm. what I love so much about Santray is because we do take in images first and those get laid down in that right side of the brain and in our bodies and everything like that, um, Santray really allows the pictures to come to life. The miniatures can represent different pictures so yeah when you create oh, those yeah so a lot of times with trauma it's it's become so powerful because they don't even realize why they're choosing miniatures a lot of the time like even if I give a directive about oh you know build a tray about your family or just even build your world in the sand um sometimes people a lot of times actually they will grab things and you'll see them kind of put them in there and, and they'll say things like, I don't know why I grabbed that. It doesn't seem important, but you know, I'm like, it's okay. Just go with that. Just, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. You don't always have to know why you picked things, but mm. what you see a lot of times with trauma is when they, especially if they have that type of reaction, like, Oh, I don't know why I'm choosing that. That's something that I really kind of hone in on because that's, that's, the right brain trying to have a voice so mm. that's what I love so much is you can pair the pictures and then you can have that language center kind of bring about yeah that yeah. integration that we love so much yeah yeah so it does it sounds like um sand tray is a pretty kind of uh, the language we have been talking about on this podcast in terms of the like bottom up or experiential yeah. therapy mm -hmm. right because it's it's when you're using like symbols and images it's kind of accessing different parts of the brain than typical talk therapy yes absolutely absolutely it's the imagery of it 
Um, and one thing I'll say about the images, um, when it comes to sand tray versus sand play. Now, I don't know if your audience will be familiar that they might be wondering or if they've heard of sand play. Mm. There, there is a difference. So with sand play folks, they, um, it's a lot more strict as far as there are certain requirements that you must use. And they rely heavily on the symbols having meaning. So each thing that a person chooses has a very specific meaning. Whereas with sand tray therapy, which is what I'm trained in and what I train others in is that we leave that interpretation up to the client. So Mm. it's not up to me to know, you know, or the clinician to know what or why a person chose a certain thing or to put meaning to that. We really rely on the client too. So that's Mm. why it's, it's such a powerful tool for, for trauma because of that. Um, yeah, just the fact of having that imagery and being able to, you know, put words to what they normally wouldn't have access to. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. So um, could we maybe do kind of like an example walkthrough of a sand tray session? Like, let's say, hmm, I'm trying, I'm trying to think, like, I, I think I just, examples that really help me understand things. So sure. let's say you're, you know, you're sitting with a client. Um, what, what is a way that a typical sand tray session might look in terms of the the process that you go through together? Sure. Okay. Um, I will start with an adult and then I'll give you a child example too. Cause, okay. cause there are so many differences, but just because it's different doesn't mean that it's not working. Totally. I always like to say that it's just, it just looks different. Mm-hmm. So um, if I had an adult or even a teen, a late, you know, a, a teenage client, I would um, ask them to just kind of just build their world in the sand. That's what I would typically start with just to kind of see baseline where we are. Um, and if sometimes I have a client that's like, you want me to do what? Um, mm. So I typically start in the initial session kind of giving an overview of, you know, what sanitary is that I, that's a modality that I do use. And that, you know, so that way, when I first introduce it, they're not like, you want me to do what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, so that first session, I'll ask them to build their world in the sand. And I typically have, you know, some type of just really light music in the background, um, like spa vibes, if you can think mm-hmm, totally. of that type of music. Yeah. And I provide them with um, a little basket and I just, you know, tell them to take their time. Um, You know, there's no right or wrong way to do this. You know, there's no good or bad, just kind of grab things that seem to draw you. So, and then I just kind of sit back and I'm taking in all of the information, um, everything. I'm still so invested in just even when they're choosing miniatures. Um, because all of that is good information. Mm-hmm. So once they kind of choose the things that they want, again, I'll just kind of sit back and let them do their thing. And with adults, like I said, they most typically will just kind of set things up however they want. And then I'll ask them to take me on a tour of your world. So I'll ask, you know, can I turn it more towards me or just kind of let them kind of start the processing mm-hmm. and, Yeah. And usually they'll just kind of, again, take me on a tour. So they'll kind of start with whatever miniatures they want to tell me about first. And um, it can be 
sometimes they'll tell like a story, but um, just depending on where they are, especially emotionally, um, they will typically, you know, well, I'm kind of stopping for a second because I'm thinking of some clients have a hard time with like abstract symbols, right? So mm-hmm. they might say, okay, I chose this man figure and that's my dad. And uh, this woman figure is my mom and um, <laughs> they have a house and a car. Mm-hmm. And then there might be like a, what I call like a, just kind of a random piece, but more of an abstract symbol. Maybe it's like a, uh, oh goodness, like a clock or uh, something like that, that is kind of like, well, that's represents work because I'm always feeling like I'm strapped for time. And that's the one thing that I'm going to really ask them about to go deeper. Tell me more about that piece. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's just kind of how you can take the processing a little bit deeper depending on where they are. So it can yeah. go deep really fast as well. Yeah. So it sounds like the, the miniatures can kind of, they can represent maybe more external things like certain people in the client's life. Like this is my mom, this is my dad, this is, um, but they can also represent more like abstract internal experiences. Like when you see a client kind of, you know, pick a figure where it's like, oh, this is my depression or this is my anxiety or that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. That is one of my favorite things to do is to bring in like parts work with the same tray because, um, you know, like IFS or, um, yeah, any of the parts work to kind of allow the client to really see and grasp, you know, what each of those parts of themselves really look like. So, you know, if, if I do have a client struggling with depression, you know, a lot of times I'll have them to kind of choose a miniature that represents that. And it could be anything. Um, my favorite things to use with that with even just kids or adults are the little miniatures from, um, inside out that movie. Mm, Yes. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, those are really good representations, but it can be anything. I have so many um, like abstract symbols that could represent that. And um, yeah, there's, oh gosh, there's so many categories that you can use. It, it becomes an addiction trying to <laughs> trying to keep all the miniatures and yeah, things. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I love that you brought up parts work. I feel like that, that makes so much sense to me because it's like such a, it's like a way to, you know, visualize those parts and kind of the like internal systems. And you could even play out like how the parts interact with each other or like, oh, this, this figure is protecting this other figure. Like I can see that together really well. Yes, absolutely. I love that. That's one of my favorite things to do with clients is it just really gives them a chance to visually see what's happening and how all their parts are interacting. And Mm -hmm. yes, it's, it's so powerful. Yeah, I think that's what I'm reflecting on. Um, as I had mentioned to you earlier, I had a therapist in college that did some sand tray with me and it was parts work. And this was that I was like 19 and I didn't know any of this terminology. So I didn't know what she was doing, but I was like, yeah. sure, whatever, I'll, I'll give it a try. But um, I remember it being really helpful because it got me out of my head, you know, because there was this issue yes. that I had just been in, in my head about for so long and something about picking out the different figures to represent like the different parts of this, the struggle that I was going through. I remember it definitely felt like a very different way of connecting in work. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because as you were saying that, like you felt like you're really in your head, right? We're very left brain oriented 
people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like most most people, especially clients, I feel like are very left brain shifted. And we know that trauma and all these experiences that really bring people to therapy are right brain issues, right? Mm-hmm. And things that we remember that we just don't have words for. So this is definitely a way to kind of, I like to say like sneak in the back door or mm-hmm. in the trap door, uh, because it does just allow your right brain to speak. And yeah, you're, I, I love getting clients that are like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that's, that, yes. that was going on or that I was thinking that. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it helps make parts work more accessible in a way too, because I think yeah. sometimes, I mean, some clients really immediately align with kind of the parts work approach, but I, I feel like, um, actually being able to visualize it really helps make it more clear, you know, where instead of just being like, Oh, okay. Like there's this protective part of me and there's this other part, like something about actually seeing it in space with like real items seems really helpful. Yes. And especially from the clinical view too, because you can see, you know, if they're just picking, like maybe it's a three headed dragon or, you know, some kind of really intense figure that they've placed that they're saying it feels like their anger, their depression, or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. I just feel like it tells us so much too. And yeah, yes. it's just, it's so powerful. Totally. Yeah. I remember I picked a scorpion that represented my anxiety and I remember yeah. it was like this draw to it. Cause I was like looking for the one to be my anxiety and I was like, Oh, it's the scorpion for sure. So it yes. totally does connect you with this, like this like felt sense, which I think I can see that being so bottom up. Right. Cause it's like, yes, it's what you're kind of drawn to automatically. You're not really thinking about it. Yes, exactly. Yes. And it's, yeah, those implicit memories and things that are just, they just are, Mm -hmm. it just kind of allows you a chance to reach those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So how does it look in conjunction with EMDR? You mentioned kind of using them together. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I've just finished basic training and, um, just, yeah. So I'm, I've done some training too, just alongside with, um, learning about pairing them together. And I'm so excited. I've already started in the beginning stages of, you know, like creating your safe or your calm place or, um, things like that to really concrete, make it more concrete for the client. They can have that visualization, but each phase, there's definitely ways that you can add Santray um, and just to take it even further and deeper. I'm really excited to use it with more processing. So that's that's really exciting. There's a lot of people, um, Anna Gomez, Jackie Flynn, I think Marshall Lyles even, um, that do specific training on EMDR with Santray. So I'm super excited to just mm. kind of dig further in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see it being used in conjunction with a lot of different bottom-up approaches like the IFS, EMDR. I could see it. Do you feel Mm -hmm. like it ever has a somatic element to it? Absolutely. Yes. Because you can definitely kind of use Santray in the, having the visual and you mentioned like a felt sense, you know, you can really take the client, ask them during the processing, you know, maybe they've created a scene of like, I'm thinking of a teenager that um, had a rough time, like at school, like a bullying incident. So Mm -hmm. you can ask them to kind of recreate the scene for you in the sand and then ask them, you know, which person is you or which 
item, which miniature is you in the sand and really have them get in touch with, you know, what did it feel like to be you that day? And Mm. really asking a lot of those questions to take it deeper in the processing. And, you know, what would you have wanted to say to the bully or, you know, whatever, and really allowing them to, to see this kind of playing out is Mm. very powerful. And yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds really helpful to, I like the idea of being able to use it to kind of process specific incidents too. Like, it seems like it can be either, it can be pretty specific to what you're processing, or it can be more like Mm -hmm. broad and general as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things I love about it. It's, it's not really seen as a standalone therapy, but you can pair it with so many things. You know, we were, we're talking a lot about bottom up approaches, but you can also use it with top down. So Mm. Um, like with CBT, you can pair it with certain things with that just to take that process deeper as well. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, that's what I love about it. It's just so flexible. Yeah, very like versatile. That's so cool. Yes. How how would it look with like more top down processing? Sure. So, you know, like CBT, thinking about your thoughts and your feelings. Um, we, we know about like the CBT triangle, right? So mm-hmm. thinking about how our thoughts and feelings really affect our behaviors. So you can have them create um, anything to kind of plug and play. Right. So I'm thinking Mm. of the triangle specifically, but, you know, kind of have them map out. Okay. So pick a miniature that represents, you know, your cognitions, maybe what you're thinking about when it leads to what the feeling is maybe for a specific incident. So um, yeah. And then kind of play out the different behaviors I prefer the bottom up top approaches, but that is a way that you can use it. And a lot of people use it with TFCBT, the trauma focused as well. So kind of using that in the narrative part to kind of create, you know, what did the trauma look like and kind of create a timeline. That's another great intervention too. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, that's cool. That that definitely <laughs> makes sense. You really can plug it into so many different things. Yes. I feel like I, I'm talking super fast and just kind of your mind just kind of goes, you know, with mm-hmm. all the different ways you can use it. And yeah, so totally. No, I feel the same way whenever I'm talking about these modalities. I feel like <laughs> I'm seeing like, you know, in movies where you like kind of like matrix style where there's like all these yes. different like grids and math. Like that's how I feel having these conversations, seeing like yes. all the therapy possibilities. <laughs> I know. Okay, good. It's not just me. That's no, awesome. no, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned wanting um, to share a little bit more about kind of like the the neuroscience of it or the the brain science of it. I would love to hear a little bit more about um about what what that looks like or how yeah, that works. Sure. Yeah, sure. I I feel like um I've kind of mentioned a little bit of the ways that it kind of works, but I'll just kind of start with how I explain it also to clients. And sometimes clients get it. You know, you have the ones who are who really want to know what's going on with therapy and how this all works, but a lot of clients don't really have that the bandwidth for it. But I digress. Um <laughs> so the way that I usually talk about it and how I'll explain it today is that again the way that we take in information is through images first and especially with trauma you know all that information is coming in through our right brain first Mm -hmm. and we know that our right brain does not have 
a language center. So it's it's all of those feelings and all of the images and sensory data and all of the things. So all that information is taken in and it gets laid down in our bodies and in those early parts of our brain that mm. um, were first developed. So a lot of times though, we know because we are taking in so much information at one time, only a small percentage of that gets encoded into that left part of our brain that mm. has the language center. So with Santray then, or really any bottom-up approach, right? But Santray specifically, um, because it allows you to have the images and the imagery, then when you choose those images and you create a scene in the Santray, you're really allowing for those implicit and all that information that kind of gets locked down. Um, I'll kind of go back just a tiny bit, but what we know about neuroscience and trauma is that we lose a lot of that because when our brain's in fight or flight, our hippocampus, right, Mm kind of gets, goes offline and we're not um, remembering quite as much explicitly of what's happening, but we know that that information is still in there, Mm -hmm. right, in that implicit model. So really, Santray, when you're accessing those images, it just allows for those implicit memories or, um, yeah, especially traumas, it kind of unlocks that trap door that I mentioned earlier and allows those memories and sensations and everything um, a chance to be seen. And then because it's, you're having that part of that, of being seen, then the left side can come in with words and really that's when you see that integration happening, Mm -hmm. happening, right? Mm -hmm. So having the words yeah, and it just kind of yeah. makes this beautiful, yeah, <laughs> beautiful yeah. picture. So the the sand tray, what I'm hearing is that, you know, basically what one of the things that it does is it helps with that process of kind of making those implicit models and those like, you know, implicit learnings that happen from trauma and kind of bringing them into the consciousness more, like kind of yes. creating that bridge between what's implicit and what's explicit. So then the brain can integrate and process Yes. Yes. That's perfect. Okay, cool. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's, it's so when you have those sessions with clients where they're like, I didn't know why I chose that bridge or that whatever the item is. And they're like, you know, you get these clients that just have these huge emotional reactions for, you know, choosing a few toys. Yeah. (laughs) And, And you're like, I know it's, it's so powerful and you can kind of sit back and, and help them connect all the pieces, um, but they're really doing the work. So it's amazing, really. Yeah. So it's really like connecting people with their subconscious because you're just drawn to these particular images and items without necessarily having like a conscious, rational explanation for it. But then through yeah. the process, you're realizing like, oh, that bridge does like represent something that that makes sense or that, you know, that scorpion really, you know, does represent my anxiety or that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really it's a really cool process to see and watch unfold. And as a clinician, Santra has just allowed me to really kind of feel like I can be off the hook, you know, when it mm-hmm. comes to <laughs> I don't have to have all the answers like we know we know as clinicians, like we do not have all the answers right. <laughs> the client no. is definitely, you know, the, the expert of their own lives, but I don't know. It just, 
when I went through my training and everything, it just really validated for me that, you know, the client really does have all the answers and all the things that they need within themselves. And this just, this type of therapy allows me to be there and really hold the space for them while they go on that journey. And yeah, I just, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds really, um, synchronous with coherence therapy too. A lot of what you're describing, um, yes. because they, we were just talking in a different episode about coherence therapy and about how, uh, it really encourages the clinicians to like, not make any assumptions. Right. And like, we don't have to be the ones interpreting and guessing and trying to like make sense of things. Um, like we really go in open-minded and just explore with the client to kind of figure out what, what feels true. Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. And I caught that episode by the way, and I absolutely loved it. Oh, awesome. and I'm, I'm really excited to learn more about coherence, coherence therapy myself. Um, but yeah, I would just add on to that too, that a lot of clinicians kind of, when they think of Santray, um, I think it's clinicians, but it's also clients. They expect you to be like, Ooh, why did I choose that? You know, like, mm-hmm. um, they won't really want you to tell them, what does that mean? Or I'll have a lot of, um, clinicians that have not been trained in Santray really kind of say that in training, like you're going to tell us what the, what those things mean. Right. And mm-hmm it's not a crystal ball. You know, I'm not a tarot card reader or, you know, a St. Trey therapist is not a tarot card reader. It's, it's really the meaning that the client puts on the different mm-hmm. ministers. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's a huge, a huge barrier to overcome. Sometimes it's like, it's not up to me to tell you why you chose that or what that means. What right. That mean? And there's not like a clear, like, like people almost thinking of it as like the Rorschach, like ink blot yes. test where it's like, Oh, you know, you're, you thought that looks like a bug. Well, that means this about you. And it's yes. like, no, no, it's, it's very like personal what those different things could symbolize. Right. Cause two yes. people could pick the same toy, the same figure, and it would represent something very different to each of them. Yes, absolutely. And I will say just to kind of add on to that too, is that, so that's absolutely true is that we do not put meaning on any of the items, but there are certain themes that we do look for. Um, So certain themes that really do kind of represent or just allow the clinician to become curious about certain things. Um, So I will say that, and I can get into themes if we have time. Yeah, no, I would love to hear a little bit about the themes. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, of course. Um, so one of the major ones that I see a lot of just with my clientele is, um, the theme of anxiety or kind of rigidity, things like that. And what you look for with that is when there are a lot of bridges or not bridges, I'm sorry, fences, Mm. when there are a lot of fences showing up. So it could be that, um, you know, they're kind of fencing off certain areas of the tray or certain items. And again, it's just a way to become curious. So I ask more questions like, you know, is this, do you need to, um, sorry, is it a theme of safety? Do you need Mm. to keep yourself safe or keep others in or keep others out? Um, So yeah, those are just some questions to kind of ask about that. But anytime I see a lot of fencing fences and yeah those types of things coming up in the tray Mm -hmm. yeah that that's just indicative of a high level of anxiety or need for control yeah or like kind of like it could be um I'm wondering if it could represent like kind of 
separation or dissociation between different parts of the self too, like kind of um, compartmentalization, I guess is what I'm I'm looking for. Yeah, absolutely. We look for groupings, Mm. you know, maybe we have groupings where things are just kind of clustered together and um, polarities. We look for that as well. Um, Again, just as a way to become curious and just to ask more questions about that, you know, I'm noticing that, you know, these are really far away from maybe if it's in parts work that these pieces of you or these parts of you are kind of really separate from this other part of yourself. I'm just kind of wondering, you know, what could bring them closer or, you know, whatever the, Mm -hmm. yeah, whatever you feel like could be a good way to process that out. But yeah, so that's one, a couple things that we look for, I would say. Um, Another one with kids that I see a a ton of is like a theme of aggression Mm -hmm. where you have um, kiddos that use army men or different things that create where they create battles in the sand. Maybe they're actually, you know, (laughs) hitting the items together or things like that. That's just something that is always a theme that I look forward to. And for documentation reasons, too, we can kind of really say what you observed during session. So yeah, that's another one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I remember um at a couple of my jobs where we had sand tray for kids, some of the items like the figures would be grouped into like that like uh I remember there was one that was like death related toys and it was like yes. they had you know a bunch of toys with like gravestones and skeletons and you know different things that would maybe be like death related and then they had I think like aggression toys like they were kind of like weapons and army men and things like that and the therapist would kind of pay attention to which groups of toys the kids Mm -hmm. were interested in like oh yeah you know and, and a lot of the times I know that when kids were going through you know loss or death or trauma or had witnessed violence or things like that it would definitely show up in the kinds of toys that they were drawn towards Yes, absolutely. That's, it's wild when you work with kids like that too, because they, they're automatically play is so natural for them, but that's really how they communicate. Right. So yeah, they use those uh, miniatures for all sorts of things. And that's why it looks so different with kids because you stay in the metaphor and you really track and reflect what they're kind of going through and what they're showing you, because all of that information is, is relevant. Yeah, yeah. It's really, yeah. And it just allows them a way to show you kind of what's internally going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to say too, another big one that I see with kids um, is dumping. So when I say that, it's, uh, gosh, I could tell you so many examples of kids that I've worked with in the past, especially my highly traumatized kids, mm-hmm. where it's like they just can't get enough stuff in the tray it's like the whole session they're just bringing and putting more and more and more in and what I what that signals to me is you know that's that's chaotic right that's their internal world being completely out of control and chaos so I'll often say wow you know this feels really overwhelming and yeah so that's something Mm -hmm. that we look for and to track that over time because I feel like this is relevant too is what we would look for in those situations is, you know, if that's how they're building in the beginning, you know, over time, are they able to put less in, you know, even 
I'm thinking of a specific example of this, this young girl, she was probably seven when I started working with her. Um, the first few sessions, it was like that. I mean, there were just so much stuff and it was so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And then after, I think it was 10 or 12 sessions, you know, I would, I was able to see a lot more coherence with her mm-hmm. <laughs> and she wouldn't need quite as much, quite as many things. I mean, her home life was still pretty chaotic, but she was able to kind of group things and it made more sense. There was more of a flow yeah, yeah, to yeah. it versus just everything in the tray. So yeah, like it, it represents like how their inner world feels very chaotic and overwhelming and yes. hard to organize out. Yes. Yes. So it's so nice to see. And you can really track that and, and have that in your progress notes that, yeah, there was, yeah, this is what you're seeing and yeah. seems like things are coming together so yeah I was just thinking that um it seems like it has a lot of overlap with different kinds of art therapy because anything that has like a visual or creative element to it is going to help people express things that are hard to put into words you know so that that stuff that is in the right brain um or in the implicit memories mm-hmm. where they're there literally may not be words for it. And I feel like that's why so many people connect with art, with music, with, you know, things, things that help us express feelings that you can't necessarily put words to easily. Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you said that because it does 100% um, go right along with art and and any type of expressive therapies. Um, And really you said it beautifully because when we don't have words for things, you know, it just allows, you know, and I keep saying the trap door to kind of open up and allow you to see that. And I wish that I was more artistic. I I love to draw and, and create, but I'm just not. So to have miniatures that can represent um, things that I'm seeing within, mm-hmm. um, I really feel like that's, it's like a 3D image, right? Mm-hmm. And they can kind of create. So I'll often say that with, to like parents or um, clients who are like, why is this? What are we doing? And I'll kind of say that, um, you know, imagine that you're drawing, but this is a way to actually have, you know, the tactile with the, the miniatures in your hand and you can place them in the sand. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's absolutely overlap. I love yeah. it. Oh yeah. Kind of the tactile too, because it's like, it's, it's creative and artistic, but it's also tactile because there's this like spatial somatic element to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I will say too, when you brought up the music, um, you know, I really try to pay attention to our environment when we're creating sand trays. So that's why I mentioned having like the music going, but also having the, the touch experience with the sand. Uh, sometimes people won't even want to place anything in the sand. They just want to have their hands in the sand. Mm-hmm. And that creates such a regulating experience because the sand, there's just something about sand that, you know, just feels so good and relaxing. And um, some of my hard to reach teens, they'll just kind of, they might be real clammed up. Um, my first experience in therapy was with kids in foster care. Mm. And, you know, it was, I was fresh out of grad school and I didn't know a whole lot. I mean, you're fresh out of grad school. What do yeah. you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and here I'm working with highly traumatized kids. And I'm like, what in the world? These worksheets are not working. Um, I had very little knowledge in play therapy at the time. And so I was all the time looking for different ways to, you know, make the biggest difference. Right. 
And when I came across Sand Tray, I was so excited because I thought, oh my gosh, who doesn't love sand? And there are kids, and I'll get to that. Remind me um, when you have people who don't like sand. Okay. I'll get back mm-hmm. put a pin in that. But um, yeah, so I went out and immediately bought sand and put it in like a Rubbermaid tote. And I had a few little miniatures, but what I found was my clients and especially those teenagers that just were having a hard time connecting, um, they immediately came in and would put their hands in the sand and Mm. it was like something just shifted, you know, they were able to, you know, express what was happening and, and talk more openly with me. And it really just allowed for a connection that was not there before. Yes, I can definitely see that being a nice grounding sensory experience. Yes. Yes. So as a new clinician, I was like, okay, what is the sorcery? I need to learn more. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I couldn't just put in my note, you know, oh, client played in sand for 45 (laughs) minutes. But so that's why training was such a big deal for me. And yeah, it's kind of like it was something was happening and I just couldn't describe it. So totally, totally. I feel like that's such a common experience being a new therapist. You're like, something is happening here, but why, why does it work? How does it work? Yes. Yes. And grad school fails us. They just do not do a great job. At least not my grad school. No, I'm same here. I mean, once in a while I find someone that actually feels like their grad school, like genuinely prepared them to be an effective clinician. But I think the majority of the time we have these experiences of like, yeah, you kind of get, you know, you get some ABCs for like how to be a therapist, but in terms of really understanding like how to actually use modalities to create deep Mm -hmm. change for people, it's all post-graduation training. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Which I'm glad there's so much good knowledge out there and, and good training. So me too. Yeah. 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 So you were going to talk about when kids don't like the sand. Uh, I want to hear about that. Oh yeah. I was just going to mention that there are um, alternatives. So I've seen people have amazing success with, um, without sand, but maybe using rice or oh, hmm. beans or like confetti um let's see there's um, oh yeah like if they don't yeah. like the sensory like touch of like feel of the sand on their hands basically yes mm-hmm. yes absolutely so sometimes it just doesn't feel the best um there's also like kinetic sand which is really kind of cool too a lot of little kids like that kinetic sand. oh yeah that's fun yeah. Mm-hmm. and I'm just also thinking of um you might you may or may not know about Dr. Robert Jason Grant He's the founder of Alt Play Therapy. Oh, and, I haven't heard of him. Uh, yeah, he's amazing with our autistic clients. If there's mm-hmm. anybody that needs info or resources, um, but he talks a lot about having these different types of um, sensory experiences available instead of just sand. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So that's just something about that. You don't. It doesn't have to be sand to be an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I I like that it has a sensory component too, because I feel like that also is a little bit somatic, right? Because while you're doing this like visual, you know, symbolic um, play or, you know, processing, you also are having this like hands-on experience, you know, touching the toys and touching the the sand or the rice or the beans or whatever. So I, I can just like, as I imagine it, I, I imagine it feeling like grounding in your body, you know, cause you're like sitting yes. there with your, your hands actually engaging with something. Yes, absolutely. And it does, it just unlocks a lot of, you know, those sensory experiences within yourself and 
and you can really take that and and ask them to go deeper you know what does it feel like and um yeah it's just it's so powerful <laughs> yeah very cool well I I'm curious to hear if there's just anything else that you'd like to share like I'm I think those were the questions that I had in my mind but is there any anything else that you want to talk about or that you feel like is is cool or unique about San Trey sure um I guess the other thing gosh I could go on and on for a really long time yeah. <laughs> but, but I will say that if anyone is interested in learning more there are a ton of resources out there um I'm also on the board of directors for the International Association for Sanitary Therapy and that's a really great resource to learn more um people who are in our membership have access to tons of online uh pre-recorded trainings mm-hmm. that could give you a really good idea of you know, learning more. Um, you can also t- have training to become an international credential sanitary therapist, which, cool. yeah, that will take you on an amazing journey. Um, I'm able to offer training for that as well, but um, it's it's very powerful. It's 50 hours worth of, you know, in-person training where you get to have the experience of creating your own sand trays and, and learning about using it with clients. So Mm. it's, I think training is so very important if this is something that you want to learn more about or, um, yeah, are interested in at all. Yeah. Okay. Very, very cool. Thank you so much for coming on to share your expertise about this. And, um, do you, are you taking clients currently? Yes, mm-hmm. you are. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, um, I will include your website in the podcast description. So if anyone is listening yeah. to this episode and lives in where, where in Kentucky, are you in Somerset, Somerset, Kentucky? Awesome. That's great. Normally when I have guests on and I ask if they're taking clients, most of the time they say no. So that's exciting that <laughs> you can actually take some clients. I'm sure people will be, will be excited yeah. to do that. Yep. That's, that's awesome. You can find me there. And thank you so much for having me. This was, this was really great. Yes. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed learning about it. I'm feeling motivated. So right now I, I work all telehealth, so I don't really have the opportunity to do hands-on therapy like this, but at some point, um, if I start some clients in person again, I would love to get some training in this. It sounds right up my alley. Absolutely. I'll just kind of plug that um, you can use Sanctuary virtually. And that's not something that we, I probably should have mentioned that earlier. Oh my gosh, really? How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So there are some online applications and there's a free version called, uh, I think it's Sanctuary, onlinesanctuary.com, I think. Um, I can send you a a couple of those in email that you could share as well. But um, there's some that's the best free one but then there are some paid ones where folks can get on there and share screen and you can have them create the world right there on the on the on the screen with you in real time oh my gosh that is so cool yeah i guess like right for the visual the visualization i think it would maybe just a little different to not have like the hands-on sensory component though Yes, absolutely. It, it is a little bit different, but yeah. you know, we learned during COVID and yeah. um, in our telehealth times, we, um, a lot of sanitary therapists kind of were looking for creative ways to still offer sanitary, just a little different. So mm-hmm. there's no, I'm going to check that out. out. That is really cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Okay. I appreciate your time, Megan. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah. Thank you. You too.